0: You are listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network.
1: Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed when they beheld. Hi,
0: this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Evert, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number seven.
1: Today's passage is from Matthew. Chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. At that time, as Jesus passed on, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he sat at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." Father, why was it so offensive to the Pharisees that Jesus was dining with tax collectors? Can you give some historical perspective on the tax collectors and why they were so reviled? Well, we touched on this a little in last
0: week's episode as well, but it's worth reiterating. Uh, Before I do that from a historical perspective, though, I want to focus on, even in our modern times, how we can understand this, that there's essentially no one who likes the tax collector. This is especially true for people who are business owners or uh, people like myself, clergy, Uh, who actually pay their taxes quarterly and have to write the check. Uh, You know, for a lot of employees, the money comes out automatically and they don't really notice it,
1: but when you sit down and write the check, it's not
0: usually the most pleasant experience. That's
1: a great point. You're absolutely right about most people not knowing how much they pay in income taxes. In my daily work, when I ask someone what their monthly income is, they almost always give me a net number, an an after-tax figure. They only know what has gone into their bank account. And for you, father, having to write that check each quarter is undoubtedly more painful
0: yeah it's not it's not fun, but if we you know you set aside your money in advance and that that helps a little bit and and my wife and I always joke you know we think about the good things that taxes are are used for uh sending it in for the roads and and to help some people in need and so forth, that eases the pain a little bit, but even uh people who don't really pay much attention uh to the taxes coming out of their check or who get a refund every year, uh, they all still uh, try to minimize their taxes. Uh, none of us likes to pay uh, more than our fair share. And, and that sort of leads into the historical perspective of the problem with tax collectors uh, during
1: Jesus' time. Mm. W- what do you mean by that?
0: Well, there's, there's two different aspects uh, that I'd highlight as it relates to the tax collector uh, during Jesus' time. Uh, The first uh, relates to what I said about not wanting to pay more than your fair share of taxes. Uh, During Jesus' time, and I know most of our hearers probably don't realize this, but you didn't have the U.S. Postal Service, uh, let alone auto-pay on your bank accounts. Uh, So to collect taxes, the Roman Empire needed uh, tax collectors. And like I said, with uh, business owners today or contract employees, uh, you actually have to pay them money. It's not something that automatically comes out of your check. Uh, but on top of that, uh, the tax collectors were known for cheating people out of money. I mean, you know, imagine that you live in first-century Palestine uh, and, and say that you uh, know your tax for the year should be $5,000, and I'm, I'm just using uh, modern-day money to make it easier. Uh, so when the tax collector shows up, you know, you're ready to pay him $5,000. Uh, but instead of collecting the $5,000 you owe, the tax collector says you owe $6,000. Now, what What are you going to do about it? You're a long way from Rome. Uh, you can't hop on a plane and be there in a few hours to protest uh, in Rome. Uh, the tax collector has the authority of the law behind him. Are you going to go to jail for several months while waiting on your case to be heard to save $1,000? No, you're just going to angrily pay the $6,000 to the tax collector.
1: And so the motivation for the tax collector to inflate what you owe is because...
0: Well, uh, simple. He gets paid for collecting taxes by the Roman Empire, but in addition to that, he's going to pocket the $1,000 he stole from you. So he's going to report to Rome the five thousand dollars that you owed, and keep the extra one thousand dollars for himself.
1: That sounds like a pretty profitable gig.
0: Yeah, it would be a good it would be a good gig for sure if uh, if it wasn't for the morality uh, factor behind it. Uh, but as a side note, though, I want to point out too, uh, it's why in the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus ends up saying that he would restore fourfold uh, to those he robbed by false accusation. Uh, He became rich uh, as the chief tax collector by, uh, you know, working the system in the manner
1: that I just outlined. So that's, that's very helpful to understand why tax collectors were so despised. And you said that you had two reasons that you wanted to highlight. So can you elaborate on your second point?
0: Yeah, and this is where we get into some overlap uh, into last week's uh, podcast. And I don't mind the overlap because I think uh, this is such a significant point for people to understand if they truly want to learn what's going on in the Bible and especially uh, in the New Testament. So last week I talked about how the city of Jerusalem was under Roman occupation, uh, preventing the Jewish national aspirations of a nation with Jerusalem as the capital city. And so uh, for really a century or more, uh, both before and after Jesus, uh, most of the Jews uh, in in Palestine were looking uh, for a Messiah, one who they wanted and expected to be a military leader who would defeat uh, the Roman army and and push them back outside of Jerusalem. And and I'm sure in the future we'll talk more about this and how it influences uh, the biblical stories and how... Uh, literally, you cannot fully understand uh, what's going on in the New Testament unless you understand uh, this backdrop. Uh, to be clear, I'm not saying a person, of course, can't be a good Christian without understanding this. Uh, really, a, a person can be illiterate and and still be a good Christian, but to fully understand uh, Scripture and what's going on in, in some of
1: these stories, you have to be aware of this backdrop. So would you remind us, how does this relate to the tax collector?
0: The tax money funds the Roman military. Uh, So the Jew in Palestine or elsewhere is paying their taxes, at least in part, uh, to help continue uh, this Roman occupation of Jerusalem. Uh, For the Jew during Jesus' time, it's bad enough uh, that the Romans are occupying Jerusalem, but it's really rubbing salt in the wound uh, to have to send your hard-earned money to Rome to help them uh, continue this occupation.
1: So am I correct in summarizing your two key points about why tax collectors were so despised in Jesus' time. First of all, you said that they were able to collect more than was due so that they could be personally enriched. And then second, because some of the funds collected were used to occupy Jerusalem, which the Jews of Jesus' time hoped would be the capital of their nation. Yes, that that's correct. A, a good summary. Okay. Thanks for that insight. Uh, For my final main question of of today, in verse 13, Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So coming from the law of Moses and a long history of ritual sacrifice, how radical of a concept would this have been for the Jews at the time? Well, my
0: answer to that would be that it was a radical concept to them, uh, but it shouldn't have been. Uh, as radical as we might think,
1: why do you say that?
0: We we have a tendency uh, to think uh, about this kind of teaching, this teaching of Jesus. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, uh, as something that comes only from Jesus or the New Testament. But in fact, uh, Jesus here is quoting the prophet Hosea. Uh, that quotation is found in Hosea six six. So while Jesus' teaching was radical in, in terms of how uh, the Jews were practicing their religion, uh, it shouldn't have been radical to them if they really understood and paid attention uh, to the scriptural message. And, and by the way, I believe that's true of us Christians uh, today as well.
1: Would you explain that further?
0: Well, I think that, that by and large, Christians today uh, are more caught up in and concerned with Uh, their religious traditions than they are with actually uh, living Jesus' radical message. If you just listen to what Christians are saying, uh, they're turning the gospel into some sort of moralizing teaching. It's really, uh, in essence, uh, turned into another system of the Mosaic Law, a bunch of thou shalts and thou shalt nots. Uh, Christians are a large voting block in the U.S., and they get drugged into these so called uh, culture wars. Uh, We tend to be so concerned, and this is not uh, just Orthodox uh, Christians or Christians from liturgical traditions, uh, but we get concerned with our religious ritual. You know, so whether it's the liturgy for us as Orthodox and Catholics and high church Protestants or uh, the so-called sinners' prayer and praise bands for evangelicals. Uh, there's a lot of ritual involved. Uh, there's a lot of teaching about moral codes, and uh, in my opinion, at least, there there's not near enough talk about uh, caring for the needy neighbor and and showing mercy over sacrifice and uh, ritual, and even uh, we would say, I would say, uh, church attendance. Uh, Perhaps my favorite quote of all time comes from Father John Romanides. He was a priest uh, in the 20th century uh, here in America and in Greece, very highly educated. He said that authentic Christianity is the cure to the sickness of religion. And that's another way of phrasing what Jesus uh, was saying here in this passage about desiring mercy and not sacrifice. It's what Jesus was teaching throughout the New Testament, and I would argue was the teaching of the Old Testament as well.
1: I'd really like it if you could speak a little bit more about this from the perspective of the Old Testament, because I do think most Christians view there being a big distinction in this area between Old and New Testaments.
0: Well, as I said, Jesus is quoting from the prophet Hosea. Uh, So that is one thing to highlight. And in fact, the entire book of Hosea is really a scathing critique of the idea that God desires our sacrifices and offerings, uh, ritually speaking. What Hosea emphasizes is what I've mentioned before. As we human beings are created in the image of God, it's our responsibility to represent Him to each other and to all creation and to show His mercy and compassion in overlooking sins. Another example uh, that I love to use, uh, especially for us Orthodox, is Isaiah chapter 58. In that section, uh, God mocks the people for thinking that their fasting is going to impress him or cause them to be closer to to him. Uh, He explains that a true fast is not to make oneself hungry, but to relieve the hunger in others. And that's why so many of the Church Fathers in the Orthodox Tradition mentioned that when you fast, one of the main points is to give up your food in order to give it to someone who's hungry and can't afford the food themselves. The purpose isn't just to make yourself hungry as though that's somehow going to impress God. Uh, and then going even further in that passage, uh, God critiques the people because even though they're fasting, they exploit their laborers. So you see there this connection between an authentic faith in the scriptural God and what today we might call social justice. So God tells his people in Isaiah 58 that his idea of a true fast is, and I'm quoting here from uh, parts of verses 6 through 7, is to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke, to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him, and that you do not hide yourself from your own flesh, Uh, meaning uh, from other human beings uh, who are in need. So you see, this concept of desiring mercy and not sacrifice uh, clearly has its roots in the Old Testament. Uh, That is to say, it's not simply a Christian teaching, but uh, what we sometimes refer to as a Judeo-Christian teaching. It's part of that broader tradition and not something that Uh, Jesus just made up on his own.
1: I noticed uh, both of the examples you provided come from the prophets. Now, obviously, the prophets are part of the Old Testament, but what about other parts of the Old Testament? Is this teaching uh, found there also? Absolutely.
0: Uh, In in the Psalms, uh, you see it in several places. Uh, A couple of examples uh, that come to mind are are Psalm 40, verse 6, and I'll quote uh, from that. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. And then uh, the text then goes on to speak about uh, God's mercy. And then Psalm 50, uh, verses 13 and 14, God is quoted as asking uh, rhetorically, Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? And then he goes on to say, Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows uh, to the Most High. And this really corresponds with, uh, going back to the prophets, it corresponds with Isaiah 1, uh, where God says, and and again, I have a, a fairly lengthy quote here. So God says in Isaiah 1, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Uh, Then later in that first chapter, God indicates what he does desire. He says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. And, and this concept of being merciful to others was, in, in fact, integral to the law itself. So there are all sorts of passages in the Mosaic Law that talk about uh, showing mercy to the foreigner, uh, to the orphans, and the widows. In other words, uh, to the powerless and the disenfranchised. Uh, these passages are in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, so really all over the place in the law. Uh, that is to say, they are unmissable, uh, if if that's even a word you'll allow me to use.
1: Thanks for that, Father, and I'll look that word up in my dictionary for next week. But I do think I see what you mean about how desiring mercy and not sacrifice was a radical concept for people at Jesus' time because of how they were actually living and practicing their faith. But you've definitely shown that this teaching of Jesus in today's passage comes not originally from Jesus, but from the Old Testament.
0: Yeah, that's, that's correct. And, and I imagine in the future, uh, we'll discuss uh, more how Jesus' teaching, all of Jesus' teaching, uh, is rooted in the Old Testament. And, and again, this is commonly misunderstood today by Christians, so I'll look forward to elaborating, I'm sure, uh, more on this in the future.
1: Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we began by discussing tax collectors in Jesus' time and how reviled they were for the way they conducted themselves. This provided insight into why the Pharisees were so offended with Jesus sitting at table with such people, not to mention the fact that their taxes were being used to continue the Roman occupation of Jerusalem. And in examining verse 13 of today's passage, I desire mercy and not sacrifice we learned that this teaching is actually found throughout the Old Testament. Father Aaron provided numerous examples that this teaching should have been clearly understood by the Jews. Yet, as is the case today, Christians are oftentimes narrowly focused on their own traditions with very little attention paid to caring for the poor and showing mercy. This concept is perhaps best defined by Father John Romanides, who said, "...authentic Christianity is the cure." To the sickness of religion. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, Alleluia, glory to Thee, o God! Alleluia, 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 glory to Thee, o God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee o God! O God.